welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Your home for the hits. All of the soccer hits. All of the, the number one jams in the soccer world. I feel like, I said this to Trevor yesterday, I feel like we need a, a music segment on this program. We need to work in more music. I don't just mean picking music for the intros and the outros. I mean like actual soccer music. Because there exists out there in the world a, a plethora of songs written about players, written about teams. I'm not just talking about chants. I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about club anthems necessarily. Obviously, you know, Neil Never Walk Alone is a is a legendary song in the soccer world for Liverpool and a couple of other of other clubs. I mean, like, like I have a Spotify list that I did a couple years ago that is all songs about Maradona, about Pele. Yeah, most of them are Brazilian, and in the case of Maradona, most of them are actually Italian because of his time in Napoli. But I have a whole list of those songs. We got to figure out a way to get those songs in this air on this show. Can I do that? Can I like just jam out one day? Listen to a bunch of Brazilian music, some songs about George Best. There's definitely some English songs about George Best, some punk songs about George Best. How fun would that be? I got to pick a day when there's nothing else happening, when there's no news in the soccer world. I kind of feel that like that might be today, but we're not prepared for music today. We look, we do have, we do have uh, Champions League. We do have Champions League today. We got a couple other things happening and we have two very good guests today. Uh, American soccer spin. On today's Soccer Morning, Dan Wiersma from American Outlaws is going to join us. If you did not catch this, American Outlaws has launched a new program. It's called AO Watch, and it is in the interest of doing better. I'm just going to read you here a bit of the intro from the page at AmericanOutlaws.com. We can do better. We've said as much before. Any single instance of discrimination, racism, sexism, or homophobia is one too many. Uh, the American Outlaws is committed to aggressively enforcing our Act Above Code of Conduct, holding members accountable, leading fan culture, and continuously working to remove destructive elements from our sport and society as a whole. So we'll get into exactly what AO Watch is. It is active monitoring. It's, it's, it's a reporting system. You know what? Because every time a fan goes out to watch a game with their fellow fans, they should be able to do so in a welcoming, fair, enjoyable unaggressive environment. That's what should happen. And that's what AO is striving for. Certainly applaud them for that. So we'll talk to Dan Wiersma about all of that here in about a, a eight minutes or so, seven minutes. At 10.30, Jeff Crandall, or Crandall, or whatever. Jeff, tell me how to pronounce your name. I've never actually said it out loud. I'm going to go with Crandall, because that's what it looks like. Uh, soccer writer extraordinaire has been uh, buzzing around the country doing some stuff. He's going to be doing some things for U.S. Soccer and the U.S. Open Cup. So I'm very much looking forward to talking to Jeff about his experiences and about what he has uh, coming up. That'll be at 1030. That'll be a fantastic discussion as well. As I mentioned, Champions League got a couple of games on the schedule. Uh, we are deep, deep into the tournament. Obviously, not too many games to go around now. This is the part. This is the part of the Champions League where you're not getting to watch three, four five games at a time. Yeah, there's only two. Atletico Madrid. Real Madrid and Juventus and Monaco both today f first legs of uh, those ties. Atleti does have Marco Mandzukic. Man I know how to say that name. Available to them, he has been cleared 
from injury to play in that match. It's a big boost for them. Obviously, Juve and Monaco. Monaco, the surprise package of the tournament so far, only in the fact that they managed to squeak through that group stage with scoring, what, four goals total, and they come through. They beat Arsenal, obviously, in the last round. Now here they are taking on Italy's best team in Juve, and Juve is flying the flag for Italian soccer right now in the Champions League. Big moment for them. Yesterday, Liverpool beat Newcastle. You had uh, Raheem Sterling putting on a display with the first Liverpool goal. Now, he did miss a pretty good chance. I mean, a, 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 pretty good's probably the wrong word. What? What? Give me a give me a word for that chance, Trevor. Did you see that? At one point. Raheem Sterling had the ball. It was him and the goalkeeper. He was maybe 10 yards in front of goal. And flat out botched it. Phantasmal. It's a phantasmal miss. This is why we need Ray Hudson on this program. Give, give me a little a little Ray Hudson on this show to help me identify exactly what to call that Raheem Sterling miss. And, I, of course, I'm on Twitter joking yesterday. And I said, all right, so he's asking for all of this money or there's this contract dispute going on, obviously, with Raheem Sterling. Take away all his money. He missed that chance. Take away all. Of course, I'm kidding. But he's also in the news for something less fun than scoring goals or even missing chances in this game against Newcastle. He's in the news for doing nitrous. Raheem Sterling on camera, apparently, passing out due to nitrous oxide. Does this video exist? Should I, should I, do I need to see this video? This is where I am with some of this stuff. When it comes out on social media, when we when we talk about the the controversies that bubble up, and there are these ridiculous videos, uh, look honestly embarrassing videos. This is embarrassing for Raheem Sterling. I'm embarrassed for the kid that he did the nitrous, that he passed out, and now Brendan Rodgers is having to to back his player in public. Yeah, it's unprofessional, but he's professional with us, so it's fine. I believe in his character. Is, I think is what Brendan Rodgers said. Do I need to watch this this video? Am I missing out somehow? I I I don't mind some of the lurid, some of the uh, you know, some of the stuff that makes it out there into the the culture that helps push the game forward in the U.S. I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody though. I don't want anybody. And I, apparently, this is legal. Is this is that even legal here? I don't. Is that legal in Britain? I, I don't know what's going on here. Why do people do nitrous? That's what I'm trying to say. What is what is up with nitrous? Turning this into a Jerry Seinfeld bit. No attentions to do that there. The U.S. Women's National Team at World Cup roster should be coming out today. That's what I've seen so far uh, floating around in the news. I believe that uh, Ivis Gullersep has a list of his uh, suggested uh, possibilities for that roster. Look, Jill Ellis has a lot of pressure on her. Uh, this is from Caitlin Murray over at, I- at Soccer by Ivis, SBISoccer.com. Jill Ellis had a lot of pressure on her. This is a tournament that you would expect the United States to perform well in. They've not won a World Cup in a very long time. They have the talent to compete with the best teams in the world. This is going to be an interesting roster to see uh, be announced later on today. So we'll keep an eye on that. Perhaps we'll talk about that in fuller depth tomorrow. Bad news out of Kansas City. Ike Opara, center back for Sporting Kansas City, out for four to six months with a ruptured Achilles. The man cannot catch a break. Why? Why, soccer gods? Why? I like Ike Opara. Ike Opara is a very talented player. When Ike Opara is healthy, he is a good player. He can certainly jump out of the gym. And to see him go down with another injury 
He's turning into the Stuart Holden of, of American defenders. That's where we are now with, with Eichel Parra. Is there anybody else that approaches that that uh, that label? Hopefully Stuart Holden gets back soon, by the way. But I feel bad for Eichel Parra. Best of luck getting back. Hopefully his recovery goes well, and he's back on the field sooner rather than later. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Dan Wiersma from American Outlaws will join us. We'll talk about AO Watch what it means for the organization, and what it will do going forward. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Director or head sounds too fancy. Too formal. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Well, you heard it there on the air just as we came back. Dan Wiersma from American Outlaws. He's not the head. He's not the director. He's just the communications guy for American Outlaws. Right, Dan? Just a man with a message, just, I guess so. Yeah, just a man with a message. And you're going to convey your message. I know Dan. Dan's uh, very good at doing this, which is why he's an excellent, uh, an excellent person to, to be spreading the word about AO Watch and why I wanted to grab you, Dan. Um, American Outlaws is a growing organization. It obviously has exceeded expectations from what those guys in Omaha ever thought it might be. It's it's become certain, uh, become almost a movement in American soccer. Lots of mainstream media attention. Lots of focus on the way things are going, and and, and that brings a certain scrutiny. But it also means growing up. Explain to me what AO Watch is and how it is AO growing up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you kind of had it right. It was, you know, just a, you know, it's a, it's a very humble story, uh, Justin and Corey, um, starting in, in Lincoln, Nebraska in 2007. I'm and, in Lincoln. Yeah. You know, I um, I helped run the, the Austin, Texas chapter. And in 2010, right before the World Cup, we were just the 25th chapter. So in, in three years, there are only 25 official chapters. But you know, at the, you know, heading into the Gold Cup this summer, we have um, almost 170 chapters now. So in the last five years, we've added, um, you know, 150 chapters roughly to, to the American Outlaws. And, you know, our membership is uh, over 30,000 people. And so that makes us the largest fan group um, in the United States. And, and with that becomes, you know, some unique challenges about, how we operate and, and how we project ourselves and, and the conversations um, that, that we have with, with people in the American soccer world. And with AO Watch, um, this, is, this is us stepping up. This is us saying that we are someone who wants to be a, a passionate and, and positive voice in American soccer and, and lead from the front and, and hold people accountable if they, can't, um, if they can't take responsibility for their own actions. You know, you know, Dan. I, I think here, you know, and some of this stuff is is uncomfortable to talk about, but it's obviously important to address these things. I, I think there's a sense among people outside of AO or people who maybe have had uh, just a little bit of contact with the American Outlaws, but haven't really gotten into the culture. The sense that there's a bunch of people out there who just show up, get drunk. They're not really there for the soccer. They're not really there for the passion, and and that may be the element that's causing some of. Um, the issues again that we that we've seen in AO, but again, you're you're, you're addressing them here. Is, is there something to be said for, um, you know, 
that element or do you think it's more this is just more of a proactive approach to any organization that has a you know a large reach like like AO um, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a combination of both things, Jason. I think it's certainly um, taking a look at the American soccer landscape and, and being reflective about where we are. Um, I think sometimes when we look at some of the criticisms that we get, a, a lot of people are operating in some very broad stereotypes, which is exactly the sort of thing that um, we're also being criticized for is, is, is fans who, you know, operate on stereotypes and, and maybe are disrespectful. So I, I find that a little bit ironic. Um, but on, on the other hand, it is acknowledging the fact that there are 30,000 plus members and with 30,000 plus members, you have a, a wide range of people and a wide range of behaviors. Um, you know, the American outlaws that I've been a part of since 2008 and, and the members that I know are, are great people who love American soccer, who want to support our, our men's and women's and youth national teams. And, and, and that's what they're here for. And, the, the big thing is, is that there are people that have other motives when they want to come to this and, and they're not willing to abide by these new rules and, and all of that, then we don't want them to be a part of American Outlaws. And I think AO Watch is, is about resetting the conversation. I think it's about looking forward. I think it's about moving forward and, and, and letting people know that um, we're here to take responsibility and we're here to, to like I said earlier, lead from the front and, and be an inclusive supporters group. I mean, at this point, when you look at 30,000 members, 170 chapters in, in every corner of the United States, we're one of the most diverse supporters groups. We are the largest supporters group. We're a diverse supporters group from rural areas to cities, from men to women to Latinos to African-Americans and gays and straights. I mean, all of those people count themselves as, as members. We're not a single city. We're not a single state. We're, we represent the United States. And, and with that, we represent both the good and the, and the bad and hopefully the growing um, consciousness mm-hmm. of, a, of a diverse America and, and a positive America. Hey, look, obviously, that's the way it should be. For an American soccer support, a supporters group, it should be diverse. It should be representative of the entire country and, and, and people from all walks of life and all back, different backgrounds. That's what makes our country wonderful, Dan. Um, some of that, though, is... is leadership and I, and I have to ask you before we get into the nitty-gritty of actually how AO watch works and I do think that's important to get out there is there is there a conscious effort on the part of AO and the part of the central leadership and again and again I mean to call it central leadership is maybe a, a little unfair because of the way the chapter system works but is there an a- active push to get a diverse group of people in charge or running things or leading groups across the country because you know, that's got to be a concern. You're, you're beholden to the people who are actively volunteering to do it, Dan, but you want to make sure that the people leading these groups are as, as diverse as the people who are joining them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I think our chapter leadership um, represents the diversity of, of our fan base and of the nation as a whole. I mean, we have chapter leaders from all walks of life, um, politically, economically, socially, um, you know, all of their viewpoints, all of their, um, all of the sorts of things like that. I mean, I, and one of our big initiatives that's a part of AO Watch is um, something called the Chapter Advisory Council, and they um, are regional um, representatives. So they're, they're chapter leaders that have been elected by their peers to represent a certain um, area of the country that then helps advise um, the founders 
of American outlaws on what's best locally, what ideas we can implement nationally, so that we're constantly being representative um, of our membership. And so, I mean, there are so many different chapter leaders across the country that, that represent a wide range of of race and, and gender and orientation and, and viewpoints, and we're interested in, in hearing all of them and having them constantly participate. I mean, just myself, I mean, I've started, you know, working for American Outlaws in, in the last year. It's, it's you know, when I help write um, American Outlaws Watch, the AO Watch program, it's it, there's a commitment there to to grow this organization in a professional, forward-looking manner. How does okay? So let's get into this, uh, Dan. Let's talk about AO Watch and and what the active element of it is. How it's going to help monitor uh, what's happening at AO events and certainly in stadium uh, situations. And look, nobody wants this to be a bunch of people running around tattletailing on everybody else. But there does need to be accountability, and people should be aware that you know your behavior in a in a a group that's supposed to be all inclusive is going to ultimately bring you some sort of um, uh, you know some sort of punishment sh- should it be uh, di- divisive or, or or disruptive yeah i mean so uh, i mean at the core of the ao watch is you know it it starts out with one we've always said this you know in our code of conduct you know what you do not only represents yourself but when you're at an event or at our chapter bar you're you're representing our organization um What's interesting to know is that usually with our ticket sales, about 50 to 60% of the ticket sales that occur in an American Outlaws section is actually for non-members. Um, and so, you know, one goal number one is to make people more members so that we can have more recognition, whether they're at their chapter bars or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it starts with self-policing, which obviously we know that that doesn't always work. And then it comes down to um, people keeping an eye. And, you know, this comes from the chapter leaders. This comes from committed local members. This comes from guests who are here. And if they see something, I mean, just like you do at airport security or anything like that, if you see something, say something. You know, the only way that we can remove, uh, you know, potentially destructive elements from any organization is if we're able to, to, to hear about it and to know about it. And, one of the, the things that we've lacked before is those kind of eyes and ears to be able to say, um, you know, if something goes wrong, we want to know about it so we can actually do something about it. And, um, you know, the AO Watch form, you can, you can um, put in, you know, what chapter you're at, where you're at a U.S. event, where you're at a, a tailgate event, where you're at a night before, where you're at a chapter bar, um, what did you see, are there photos, are there witnesses, and the whole AO Watch is about identifying people and, and, and hopefully then taking concrete actions um, anywhere from something as um, sending a warning because somebody is acting inappropriate online to you know, getting your membership revoked to you know, things as severe as, as U.S. soccer coming in. Um, and they're a willing and, and helpful partner in this because what, what's good for American outlaws is good for American soccer and U.S. soccer. It's, you know, you're going to get your, your tickets revoked and you're not going to be able to attend a U.S. soccer game. And, and ultimately, we want the AO Watch to be in the back of people's minds saying, don't be a jerk um, and, and, and practice some, some basic human decency, treat people respectively. And, and, and that's really what we're about. How, I mean, the name is American Outlaws, but we want to be inclusive. How much, much better would this world be, Dan, if, it, if people just follow that basic idea? Don't be a jerk. Just, just stop. Don't be a jerk. Show up. Have a good time. You know, chat, 
scream, yell, be passionate about this sport in in, uh, in particular when it comes to American Outlaws, but don't be a jerk. And I don't think it, I don't think it's that difficult. And it's certainly not too much to ask. All right, so there is a, there's a form that certainly uh, people can go fill out should they have a, an issue at, uh, at an AO event. There's a I, I do like there's a text element to this, Dan, that, that makes it easy. Now again, you know you don't want you don't want frivolous things being tossed about, and I imagine there'll be some sort of process to go through these things and look at them and say, okay, this is legitimately something we need to deal with. This is somebody being a jerk to somebody else being a jerk. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it is going to be kind of hard because you are going to have to draw some some lines, and there's there's going to be a lot of gray areas, and and the system isn't going to be perfect. I think what everybody uh, we're hoping people acknowledge that this is this is a first step, and this is a first step in in making a statement and in letting people know that this is and making people aware of this process. But it's going to be a continuous process of reflection, and and then what I hope people realize is that. You know, when Corey and Justin started this group and, and anybody who's joined um, and, and has become in a leadership position, a chapter leader, is we just want to watch soccer and we just want to support our national team and, and we want to have a fun time doing that. But with 30,000 members now, in order p- to preserve American soccer support and American outlaws for the future, there are, are certain steps that need to be made to preserve the, the good reputation that I think American soccer fans have. And I think you would hear from a lot of them that traveled to Brazil, you know, by, by the hundreds that, you know, we were, we were good guests in that country. And when we go to Canada, several thousand more, I, I hope, you know, we'll, we'll be, um, we'll be good guests there as well. This is, this is about being proactive. This is about moving forward. And I've said that multiple times, but it's about preserving American outlaws so that we continue to be a, a valuable and respected voice in, in the American soccer world. It's, it's going to be an ever evolving thing. If, if one element works better than the other, we'll we'll work on that. If if something needs revision, if we get input from our chapter leaders and our and our members who say like, I think this will work better than that, um, then we want to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's an important first step to say one, you know, don't be a jerk, and and if you if you are a jerk, don't be a part of AO, um, and and then moving forward and and doing what's right, what's right for uh, American soccer supporters culture. Obviously, the proof will be in the pudding, Dan, and I think that a lot of people are going to be, you know, they're going to watch and wait and see how this goes, and I think that's probably fair, and I think that I, you guys are, are certainly aware that that's going to be the case, uh, but you are indicating to me that there's going to be some flexibility here. You're not going to just set this thing up, let it fly, and never make any adjustments should they be needed. Yeah, I mean, everything that has ever been created, it needs needs to be flexible. You know, you you know, phones get updated, software get updated. Uh, code of conducts get updated. Um, you know, everything should be a continual process of reflection. I mean, I, I've, I've been a professional educator for um, 10 years now as my day job. And, you know, a lesson that I created, you know, last year never just gets rerun the year, you know, the next year. It's like you always want to update it. What's best for the students? What's best for their learning? And, and if something didn't work, you, you reevaluate it and you rework it. And I think the, the biggest thing is that, that we ask from people is, is that, you know, I think one of the big criticisms was that, you know, we weren't being proactive enough. And, and we want to be able to get out in front of stuff and we want to be able to say this is what we believe um, other than that we will win. Um, <laughs> the, but this is what we believe in terms of how American soccer fans um, should be. And, it, and it's not one of those things where we're looking to kick people out because, um you know, they're, they're chanting too much or they've said a cuss word here and there. I mean, it's not that sort of thing. 
Um, I think being an international soccer supporter presents different challenges than it does being a club su- su- supporter. You know, like Portland can hate Seattle and Seattle can hate Portland, but you're just, you're talking about, you know, city conflict. Right. Anytime you bring in a, a, a national uh, sort of thing, USA versus Mexico, like on Wednesday, you know, we, we want them to dislike playing Mexico, but not dislike, you know, tailgating with people of, of Mexican descent. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's where we need to make sure we're, we're aware of all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be reflective. There's going to be uh, an always, how can we do better? Is there a, a, a question from Washington on Twitter? He wants to know if it's, if reporting can happen anonymously. Is that, is the system set up for that? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, we obviously want as much detail as possible um, about the, the situation. Um, ultimately, we would like person who is reporting to, to do that um, with their name so we can follow up with them. I mean, the other part of the AO Watch is not just to let the perpetrators know that they've done something wrong, but to also let the people know who are reporting that something is being done. Um, and I think that's an important element. Um, but yes, it can be done anonymously. Um, it will obviously affect our ability to, to, to investigate and follow through and, and report back to the person. Um, but you know, we're, you know, we're really looking for things that, um, you know, that, that are going to kind of edge away at the integrity of AO and, and, and we're committed to making people aware that we're going to be proactive. Uh, again, again, uh, Dan, just to wrap this up here, uh, this is a new program. This is obviously going to take some time to work the kinks out. You have a an opportunity here for a very pretty interesting um, first run of, of things down in San Antonio with the USA Mexico game. Are we going to hear from AO on how this is going? Are you guys going to uh, to let us know? Hey, you know what? AO Watch, we, we had some kinks. We're working that out. We had some, you know, we had some incidents. Obviously, you're not going to out anybody, but are you going to give us a sense of whether it's working or not? Yeah, call me back in a couple of months and we can chat again. I mean, um, I mean, and, and not just through uh, through you, Jason, but I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be working on this and evolving, and you know, we want to be as open and transparent as as possible about the AO Watch program. So, um, and and hopefully, the again, like you said earlier, the proof is in the pudding. We hope that people feel comfortable about reporting these incidents. Um, you know, helping us move forward and, and, and making AO a place where everybody wants to be a part of that. Dan, where's my communications guy for American Outlaws? That's what we're going with. That's what he likes. <laughs> Dan, I appreciate the time and the explanation. And, uh, you know, hopefully AO uh, Watch gets off the ground running and, and things are, and look, we don't want, we don't want complaints because that would mean bad things are happening. We want people not to be jerks. Let's just say that first and foremost and move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're, I mean, we're looking forward to seeing what this does. And again, we're, we're, we just want to lead the conversation and we want to be a part of when people say American soccer culture is, you know, is, is awesome and amazing and respectful. We, we want American Outlaws to be a part of that conversation. There you go. Appreciate the time, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jason. Right. Have a good day. Let's take a break. When we come back, Jeff Crandall will join us to talk about American soccer riding all over the place. I think he was in Indianapolis recently, obviously formerly of the Chicago Fire website. Lots of stuff to talk to Jeff about. Let's, uh, let's do that after this break. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning, joined on the telephone by Jeff Crandall. He is formerly of the Chicago Fire website. He's done a lot of stuff. I think he's recently worked with uh, Indy 11 in Indianapolis. He's been bouncing around a little bit, some Red Bull stuff, some Galaxy stuff, MLSsoccer.com, obviously. And he's got a new project working on uh, the U.S. Uh, so- US Open Cup uh, social media stuff. Jeff, how are you? Hey, good, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for being here, Jeff. Um, yeah. let, let's start with the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, we, we just had a discussion on this the other day on this show, mm-hmm. and I got a bunch of calls from people. How do you how do you get it going? What do you do? And, you know, producer Trevor says, oh, you're bringing a marketing t- team to, to juice the tournament. People are making I, – I got an email from Sean Reed who wrote uh, – uh, wrote the the big book on American soccer fandom, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Who gave me a list of stuff, you know, up the 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 reward for the for winning the tournament, uh, the 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 uh, all of these things. Anyway, U.S. Open Cup in and its place in American soccer is always going to be an evolving thing. What are you doing, and what what can we expect out of you know pushing the tournament this year? Yeah, um, well. Uh, as my tour of American soccer uh, continues, I'm, uh, the next stop is uh, helping U.S. soccer uh, up their level of coverage for the U.S. Open Cup this year. Uh, one big thing that's starting later today is uh, the launch of an official Open Cup Twitter. Um, I guess I should throw it out there at Open Cup. You'll see it. Uh, you'll see it relatively soon after I get off this uh, phone call with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the all the ideas listed. I, and I listened to that show last week on on the way back from Indy, and I, I thought there were a lot of good thoughts and ideas and things involved. But um, you know, U.S. soccer over the last few years has has actually done a really good job. I think though though they'll, they'll never get the credit for it. I think they've they've started to recognize uh, a need to to cover the tournament more. Um, you kind of see that the game of the round, what they did last year with right. it, and that that's going to continue uh, in 2015. Um, you know what I'm going to be doing also, aside from the social aspect, is just bringing features, um, bringing you know more game recap stuff, um, intriguing things, and trying to beat the beat the drum, you know, more often. Uh, for the tournament throughout throughout as, as, as it develops all the way to the final at the end of September. I, I think what gets lost for a lot of people when it comes to the Open Cup, I mean, obviously MLS fans, we're all sort of, whoever we are, whether we're MLS fans, NASL, USL Pro, well, USL, excuse me, we're tied to our clubs, and maybe we don't look up and, and see that tournament and sort of recognize that the U.S. Open Cup is running until our teams or our league has jumped right. in. And I imagine that from U.S. soccer's perspective, there's got to be something about let's push, you know, let's push the narrative a little bit earlier than that. Let's get some people talking about these these amateur clubs that have entered this tournament. Obviously, you know, what you're going to be doing is going to augment the stuff that Josh Hackler has been doing for years at the Cup.us. Uh-huh. And, and so talk to, you know, give me a sense of how you how those things will complement each other and how people how we can get more people to recognize. And I'll, I'll admit that I'm one of them. That there's stuff happening way before the MLS teams get involved. Well, you guys were talking about it last week, and I think that's a really good start. Um, Josh Hackle is actually a, a friend of mine. I've known him for a lot of years. We we're both from uh, South, well, from Michigan, and um, knew each other. I knew him before I moved out to Chicago, um, and he's done an excellent job with that website. Um, we talk often about the Open Cup. There's no doubt about his passion for it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys are talking about it. I think, you know, covering the draw the way, you know, I, uh, U.S. soccer, part of the way this all started with U.S. soccer was letting me go to soccer house. I had the unique opportunity to do that the last couple of years and cover the draw and ex- sort of explain how this all worked because it didn't make much sense to anyone. Um, sort of trying to make people understand why the LA Galaxy might have had to fly cross country to play Carolina two years in a row, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, how a home, home team has decided how geographical, geographical proximity works. There's, it's not, you know, the U.S. isn't the size of England, so there, it's, a, it's a much more complicated draw process. I think, you know, those types of things raise the awareness uh, of the tournament from an earlier stage. Um, and, you know, I, I do, I mean, I do have to say Josh Hakla again, has done a fantastic job. You know, you look at the historical things that he's, he's written up and he has some contributors on his website that have done the, done the same thing. Um, and I almost liken it if we're talking about, you know, getting people interested early, it was like when MLS moved up their season to the beginning of March and, you know, home teams on that first state when in the North, you're trying to get a level of consciousness that while you see snow out um, at the beginning of March, there's also going to be soccer playing Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, just more information, more coverage will, will, will get us there. It's it's a slow process, but I think, I think uh, things are headed in the right direction with it. Uh, it'll, it, it should be interesting to see how things go this year. I mean, obviously, you know, we've crested that, that century mark for this tournament, that there's a lot of history. Again, that's part of what Josh has been doing at the Cup.us is bringing some of that history to the forefront and, and letting people know how rich this really is. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, it's – I, mean, I don't know if you've had some thoughts on this, Jeff. I imagine that you've had, you have. The, 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 the difficulty is bridging the, those, those eras and bridging the history and everything that, you know, everybody knows about, um, uh, everybody knows about those old clubs that, that used to win this tournament in the twenties. But then we have a big, long sort of gap where it's a bunch of amateur teams. Uh, no, you know, Bethlehem, Bethlehem Steel went away and then the MLS teams jump in and uh, in certain cities, people care. Seattle, Chicago, DC. But beyond that, is there a sense that, that, you know, hey, does New York actually, do the Red Bull fans actually care about this tournament enough to, to make it a big deal and, and, you know, other places around the country? Yeah, I, well, I, I, having worked for Red Bull, I think that they, they you know, I, I have had opportunity to um, see see them up close for a month. And uh, there was a little talk about the Open Cup. Jesse Marsh won, uh, I think, three with the Fire, one with DC, and he, I think he even mentioned that he, he really wants to win it with Red Bulls. I think it is on the clubs to uh, sort of push the narrative as much as it is on U.S. soccer. The ones that have taken it seriously have all obviously been rewarded. The Fire and Seattle both have uh, four Open Cup trophies, D.C. with three. Um, I, I've always likened it to, um, you know, some teams are stronger than others, but I've always felt like what I saw from the Fire in my time there was um, – you know, even when the season wasn't going well, when the Open Cup was taken seriously, you usually got rewarded for it. When I say taken seriously, I mean taken seriously from the first round uh, that they were in it and um, playing a pretty strong team each each time. Each time they did that, they went to at least the semifinal uh, the last four years. So, um, you know, it, it is it is on the team to take it more seriously. I think the, the prize money, the Champions League spot helps that. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, hopefully more teams do. I, I do think that New York Red Bulls no. will will maybe make a, a 
make more of an emphasis on the tournament this year. Uh, so that's uh, that's what you're doing now is, is you're looking to to increase the coverage for U.S. soccer of the U.S. Open Cup. You got Open Cup on Twitter, which hopefully is getting a bunch of followers as we speak because it's already. Oh man, I'm watching it right now. Yeah, it's crazy. There we go. And so, <laughs> but you've also been doing a bunch of other stuff. And it's part of the reason I wanted to get you on the show, Jeff, is because I dig that. You know, for whatever the reasons are, and we all, and, and those of us who have, have written freelance or, or trying to, to make a, a, a life in soccer that's not, uh, you know, we're not, none of, not all of us can be Shane Evans, uh, for example. Um, <laughs> the, we, you know, it's not, it's not always easy. And I know you did, uh, you said you were the Red Bulls for a month. I know you just did spend some time in Indianapolis for, for about a month. What has it been like sort of bouncing around? getting a taste of, of these different organizations and, and how they're doing their, their business of getting soccer to be a big deal where they are? Yeah, uh, it's been interesting. And, you know, it was completely unplanned, too. When I left the fire, the only plan I had was maybe to take a month off, you know, watch what's going on in soccer, but really withdraw a little bit and just um, unwind. And about two or three days into that, I got a call from the Red Bulls um, asking me to come and come and cover uh, preseason and uh, I was sitting in my apartment here in Chicago that there's a foot of snow dumping on the ground and it took me about five minutes to say yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll go down to, to Florida for a month right so um, yeah you know I, I walked into an interesting situation with the Red Bulls uh, it wasn't too long after that famous town hall and uh, you know Mike Pecky leaving Jesse Marsh uh, coming in and um, that was interesting it was interesting because all I knew of that situation was what I was reading online, um, what I was seeing from fans on Twitter, and then walking in, it was you know almost a different reality. I think players were super perceptive, super you know accepting to Jesse as soon as as soon as camp started, and and you could see the team grow together as that month went on. Um, and then the, yeah, the other big one is uh, Indy Eleven, who I just finished working with this last weekend. Uh, their home opener versus the Cosmos. They it's, it's a different different type of setup. They're trying to get a stadium. They're in the they're in the American Second Division, um, it, but they're selling out every game. They just had their 15 straight sellout. Um, kind of being back around a lower division team and seeing, you know, what what a successful operation India is with a much smaller staff is really impressive to me. Um, Peter Will, Tom Dunmore, John Cluter, the rest of their staff have done a great job in uh, promoting the sport in Indianapolis. And, you know, hopefully they continue to make progress on the soccer stadium they're trying to get built there. Yeah, th- those guys are some of my favorite guys in American soccer. Tom, uh, Tom been around for a long time in the blogging scene, and obviously Peter Wilt is, is a legendary figure. Uh, I, in fact, somebody asked me recently to give some thoughts on, on Peter Wilt since it's, uh, I guess mm-hmm. it's been 10 years since he left the fire, Jeff. Um, and, and you know, I, I, can I, can I just stop you right there? Someone yeah. asked me the same question or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, be- <laughs> I believe we're part of the same little project on that front. Yeah. Uh, so you, give me your, you know, give me your thoughts at, at having been up close and personal with the guy. And as you said, working with, a, this is not, this is not MLS 3.0 type territory that the, that the, that Indy 11 is working with. And, and they are pushing hard on that stadium and that may you know, that may divert some focus that in a more mature organization is going to other things. How do they balance that out? Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, the, the way, the way Peter has talked about, like specifically with the stadium pushes, you know, they need a, they need a first division 
stadium, but not necessarily to be in the first division. Uh, I think Indianapolis is totally capable of being an MLS team. And uh, I think, I think the setup they have there probably needs to grow for it. They need to get an MLS level stadium, but they, what I've, what I've seen the last month is really interesting. Um, beyond that, just working with Peter, well, I wrote this in, in the piece that will come out sometime this week. Peter Walt to me was sort of like a role model in terms of, you know, wanting to maybe go make a go of it in professional soccer. I, I always admired him from afar living in Detroit as a fire fan. Um, sort of the, the way he was open and interactive with, with fans and was really a supporter and, and a front office guy. And I think if you look a lot at a lot of the executives around North American soccer, they're at least going by the playbook that Peter was running way back in the early or late nineties, early two thousands with, with the fire. So, um, to get the opportunity to work up close with Peter, you know, I've known Peter for a long time with my fire association to actually get to work with him was really cool. And just another added experience. Right, let's turn to, uh, the Chicago fire. Um, you know, it was a, it was a rough early going to this season, Jeff and, and and I, you know, we didn't know exactly what Maloney was going to bring. Obviously, I love watching Harry Ship, and and if you wanted to just spend mm-hmm. the next ten minutes talking about Harry, Harry Ship, I'd be fine with that. But when it comes to the fire, you know, I'm sort of more interested in in some of these elements of of you know selling that team, the fact that they're out in Bridgeview, which you know I may not have a full appreciation, but I sort of understand um, the the issues that that presents, and then you know whether or not they're they really can put together a team that's going to capture imaginations and win titles. Yeah, I mean, there's I, I don't there's a challenge in in Bridgeview. You know, I live in the city, and when I went to work for the fire, I I um, moved to a, a neighborhood called Pilsen, which is on the southwest side of the city, mainly to make sure it was the, it was the easiest place to be in the city that was a decent area that I could still get out to to park in a reasonable amount of time every day. So that there's that right there. The fire, I think, recognized that, that challenge. They've, they've started a pub-to-pitch program that, you know, actually Section 8 Chicago, they took over from Section 8 Chicago a few years ago. It's been really successful. There's a lot of awareness about that. So they are making, um, they, are, they are doing things to get people out to the stadium um, from the transport side. Um, you know, they they haven't really ever got since Guatemala Blanco left the fire. They've never really replaced him in terms of a you know a star stature player. But I do think this year, um, like you said, it maybe took Maloney a little while to get going. David Akam is a very interesting prospect. I think he's only played two games for the fire, but was amazing in the last game against Toronto FC. Uh, it took a few games for them to get clicking. I. I do think, you know, I sort of buy into the philosophy sometimes that if you can get three good DPs but that aren't necessarily, um, you know, star names, but they work together um, and they make your team successful over maybe one guy that's a bigger name but maybe isn't going to be able to impact you in three different areas, that, that might be the way to go. It's more of a long view, but um, I, I feel like things are starting to come together for them. Uh, after the last two games, the shame is that you know because of the rescheduling of these two games this week, they're they're off for 20 days. Uh, right. They don't play uh, another game until NYCFC on I think April 24th. So let me let me come back. I, I mentioned him, uh, Harry Ship, and, and his development. Um, obviously, last mm-hmm. year 
It was very good for a while. He hit that wall that the incoming college players tend to hit now. Uh, he obviously improved a lot at, at Notre Dame, and it was a good thing for him to have spent that time there and then be able to come back as a homegrown talent. But he is he's a guy that, that – it's not that I, I want him to be farther along, Jeff. It's, it's I wonder if he has the potential to be sort of um, – you know, a, a next level player for, say, for the U.S., or at least in terms of American soccer players, just based on his talent on the ball. And yet, I don't know where he fits necessarily, especially right now in the next couple of years under a guy like, like Jurgen Klinsman, who, I, as far as I can tell, doesn't have room for him in his formation. It's, it's, you know, you, a couple things there. You always, you always want to be careful when, with a younger player, not to hype him too much too early. Um, and I think, but the thing with Harry, knowing him, he is, he is, he is very mature, mature beyond his years, rather. Um, so I, I don't worry about that as much. He's supremely focused on what he's doing. Um, it's, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of Fire fans say that they want to see him play as a second striker centrally. Um, but, you know, this year he's, like last year, he's been out on the wing. I'm not sure that he currently fits. Well, maybe it doesn't fit perfectly into the U.S. setup. Um, you know, maybe he, maybe Jurgen Klinsmann looks at him and, and says he wants to get another year under his belt before he gives him a look. He seems like a really good guy to at least call in for a January camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, aside from that, Harry Ship is a very good player. He's one of the best players the Fire have had in the last four or five, six years. You know, you saw the Blanc. You guys talked about the Kwame Lock. Uh, comparisons mm-hmm. last week or the week before. Um, I'm really glad to see he's continuing his ways. Um, you know, I, I, from last season, I think he should have won Rookie of the Year last year. I was really surprised that he didn't. But um, Harry Ship, Fire, very, very should be very proud and lucky to have developed him and 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 to have signed him on the first team. Hopefully, we do see him with the national team at some point. Yeah, can can the Fire can they can they you know can they make him the center? of everything they do, not just on the field. And obviously you're going to bring in players like Maloney and, and you have a calm who's young and talented. But I mean, in terms of, of marketing that team, is Harry the ship, the, the, the path to getting some, some more, uh, some more people in those, in those stands and, and some more attention media wise in Chicago. I think he has the potential to be in. If you look at the roster this year, there are a lot of like, they, they, I don't know if it's completely intentional, but there are a lot of, um, whether they're homegrown players or re- other guys um, from Chicago that come in, like guys like Eric Gehrig, of course you have Mike McGee, those types. There, there seems to be more of an emphasis on Chicagoland players with the fire right now. And um, Harry Ship is sort of at the center of that. You see him in some of the team's marketing already, though. You, you see guys like Maloney and Akam, the, the, the bigger money guys, uh, just as much. But I, I think I think Harry Ship is working his way into that. Um, I think, you know, you, you can tell a really good local story. He he grew up as a fire fan. Frank Klopas was actually his youth coach. Um and 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 he, he loves the fire. He wants to see the fire return to uh the glory days and if there's anyone to, to maybe drive that uh for the club that that could be here for a few years to, to yeah. see it through, it, it might be here. Yeah, I mean obviously Mike McGee is, is the guy right now or he would be if he was on the field and we hope to see that. Uh, before I let you go, Jeff, uh, is there a, is there a better Twitter game in American soccer than Mike McGee? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, and and you know the thing is, I I don't want to brag, but American soccer should should uh, should should at least 
you know, pat me on the back because I think <laughs> I pestered Mike McGee for about a year to get on Twitter. I think I forget what when he actually did. I think he went to MLS Cup. It might have been around the time he won the MVP award in 2013. But uh, Amanda Vanderbilt at MLS, I think I, I liken it to you know I I listened the jar cap and she kind of just she 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 took it off all the way. But I mean he's he's been a gift to American soccer Twitter for sure and. Uh, you know, I, I I love seeing his tweets. I can't wait to see what's up next. Speaking of tweets, follow Jeff on Twitter. It's Hefe Crandall, F, uh, J-E-F-E Crandall on Twitter. North American Soccer Free Agent is the way that he's uh, describing himself these days, <laughs> doing stuff all over the place. Look forward to the Indy 11 piece. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the time. I hope to have to have you back very soon. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Jason. And uh, make sure people follow the at Open Cup account. I think, uh, I mean, I'm trying to find it, but I believe that we've already got over a thousand followers since this interview started. So thank you for that coverage. It's, it's very much appreciated. I see 973. We got to do better, people. Get get on that. Follow Open Cup for for Jeff and for me. Appreciate it, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, Jason. All right, let's take a break. We come back. The phone lines will be open. You'll have your chance to jump on, jump in. It's it's Open Cup. It's MLS. It's Champions League. Whatever you want. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning, that open open cup account, Jeff Crandall running that over for U.S. Soccer. Over a thousand followers, yeah, you guys are doing that. Eleven hundred followers, fantastic stuff. Uh, make sure you're following Open Cup on Twitter if you have even a sasson of interest in that tournament, and you should. Why shouldn't you? It's it's fantastic as people continually say. This is what we always get when we talk about the Open Cup. It is March Madness for soccer. It has that potential. Now, yes, it takes place over a much longer time period, and the games aren't centralized, and we obviously have television and broadcasting issues, but come on. It has that Cinderella element. It has that historical element. It has the romance of these little guys having the opportunity to climb up, get through into the fourth, fifth, sixth round, and have an opportunity to knock off one of the big boys. And I rem- you know, for me, one of the most vivid soccer memories I have of the last couple of years is Eric Winalda taking that Cal FC team up to Portland and beating the Timbers. It was a bad day for Portland Timbers fans, but it was a fantastic day for Cal FC and for the Open Cup. It created a buzz around that tournament that I'm not sure we've seen since then. Now we get that we when we get down to the Open Cup final. And you end up with Eddie Johnson skying a penalty at Sporting Park. And you come to, obviously, last, last year in Philadelphia, nearly the, the Union nearly winning that, that tournament at home. Seattle getting another Open Cup under their belt, putting their, their trophy case. Those games get a little bit of attention. Hopefully, U.S. soccer putting some effort behind. And as Jeff said, maybe they don't get enough, uh, quite as much credit as they should for pushing the tournament. But some of this is got—it's behind the scenes, and we need to see it out front. Having Jeff Crandall on the game, running U.S. Open Cup stuff for uh, for U.S. Soccer is a fantastic step forward. 
I'm very uh, very excited to see what he's got. And uh, thank you for following. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to continue to tell you to go follow Open Cup on Twitter. Open Cup. Very easy. Open Cup. And definitely follow definitely follow a US uh US Open Cup and and Josh Hackle's efforts as well. Fantastic. Je- Je- Josh has been keeping that flame going for quite some time now. It's it's US Open Cup is the official Twitter handle for Josh Hackler's website, thecup.us, which, again, has no connection to U.S. soccer. It's completely a labor of love. Completely. 100%. Phone lines are open. 646-832-3909. We can talk about whatever you want. I'm, t- I'm turning the, the, the steering wheel over to you. I'm handing you the helm. You have the opportunity to take us in whatever direction you so choose. You can talk to producer Trevor. Maybe you just want to call up producer Trevor and say, how it's go- hey, man, how's it going? How's it going? What's going on? What's happening? Maybe you just want to say hello. Prefer you didn't do that on the air because, you know, more important stuff here to talk about. Certainly could do that with Trevor. I think Trevor likes to hear from our fans. This, this adds a whole new wrinkle to the process. Pretty soon we're going to have some stories to tell. I'm not, saying, I'm not suggesting that you guys come out, uh, call up and mess with Trevor. I want you to get on the air. I want you to talk about soccer. Perhaps you want to talk about this. NBC and Fox are both going to have live soccer over the air this weekend. Is that a big deal? I mean, look, we've seen games over the air on NBC. We've seen games over the air on Fox, certainly when it comes to the Champions League. But both of these networks doing it at the same time, does that represent some sort of step forward? Do we even care if it does? Are we just sort of taking it for granted now that soccer is going to have a place on these over-the-air networks occasionally? It's just where we are. And again, soccer's not going anywhere. We're good to go. Soccer's a sport in the United States that people care about. But English soccer specifically has a footprint now, a toehold, a grip on the American soccer fan base and, and American sports fans in general, I think. Because if anything's going to transcend, this is not meant as a slight to MLS. And I think MLS is certainly vividly aware of where they need to go and what direction they need to push and how much attention they need to garner for themselves. But if there's ever going to be a soccer product that's going to sort of transcend that divide because between American casual sports fan and American soccer fan, it's going to be English soccer. It's going to be the Premier League and it's going to be the FA Cup. And that's what you've got coming up this weekend. You got Fox's broadcast of Arsenal Reading in the FA Cup at 12:20 Eastern and Chelsea Manchester United 10 minutes later at 12:30. First one on Fox, second one on NBC Sports, or sorry, on NBC Proper, excuse me. Obviously that's the point. So we uh we have an opportunity to see that. And then obviously we've got uh we've got soccer before that USA Mexico tomorrow night, Rick in Milwaukee. What's up? I'm Ray from Milwaukee. Ah, see, tre- uh, we're, all, we're already having tr- tr- screener problems. Trevor, you're fired. I'm sorry, Rick. Uh, I'm sorry, Ray. Damn it, Ray. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I just want to talk a little about U.S. Mexico uh, first, a little bit about the rivalry, and then a little bit about Mexico U.S. Um, the, the thing for me, is I think uh, it's the first time in a long time that uh, both public enemy number ones are not going to be in this. There's a little bit of an answer. He's not there. They're Bethel Marquez, Orlando Donovan for the first time in 15 years. So it takes a little step back. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you um, – I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. I'm going to botch this pretty pretty hard. But, I mean, it, it's certainly like, um, you know, 
back in the day when you had uh, when you had some of those uh, big uh, NFL rivalries, or even nowadays, if you took the if you had the Patriots and the and the Broncos playing, and they both had backup quarterbacks, would you be as interested? No, probably not. So it's definitely it's definitely going to be interesting to see this game without Alana Donovan and without a Rafa Marquez. And and you're right that that mean maybe that's part of the reason I feel empty about this game. I, I'm seeing some some people on Twitter talk about how excited they are. Some some of my colleagues over at ESPN FC, and I just I don't I don't feel it, Ray. Help me help me right. feel well, it, Ray. Well, you know, a lot of it is too is because of the uh, player selection as well. I mean, the Mexican national team probably is not fielding a single starter. And what I don't understand about uh, Marco Fabian is with the first place of Chivas, and he he's a big reason why they're in first place. Uh, and for him to be not admitted, he's been he has. This is a third friendly in a row that he's not going to participate in at all. Yeah. Uh, and from it's going to be really interesting to see what Miguel Herrera does from a tactical perspective because it's not a bunch of a Club America guys sprinkled in with a bunch of Leon guys. Yeah. Uh, these guys are coming through all different parts yeah. of uh, Liga MX, and some of these guys don't play the Miguel Herrera style of football. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, he's going with some different names. Appreciate the call, Ray. It's going to be fascinating to see what Miguel does. And certainly, I look, I mean, I don't know what Clinton's going to do either, and we nobody knows what the hell Clinton's going to do with his team. Let's go to uh, let's go to Mike in Philly. What's up? Hey, Jason, I, I just need to completely disagree with you in terms Ooh, of like uh, your statement a couple of minutes ago saying how English soccer is really going to be well, what ends okay. up uh, transcending uh, hold on, hold on. and uh, Mike, capturing the casual audience. Mike, Mike, give me an opportunity. Well, okay. Certainly the mainstream American English speaking audience, because we already know that Mexican soccer is massive in the U.S. That's a, that's a given. I'm going to, I'm taking that and I'm setting it over to the side. If, if you're disagreeing with me that English soccer is going to grab the mainstream audience, then okay, fine. Throw it at me. What's up? Well, I, I mean, English soccer will grab the soccer thing. Okay. Uh, I, All right. And I know I'm in the minority here. Honestly, I'll, I'll watch it as a neutral. I, I just can't bring myself to be invested in a country that I've never visited, I've Fair no enough. connection yeah. to. That, that's uh, fine. A few years back, when uh, before Philly got a team, I, I decided I was going to be a Chelsea fan. And then about a year in, I'm looking at this jersey I bought. I bought a Michael Ballack jersey. I'm like, well, why the hell did I buy this thing? I have no connection to London. I don't care. I mean, I can certainly appreciate the quality of play, but... Just as uh, an American, there's always going to be that disconnect with the foreign country. And I think the only league that can actually capture a true casual American audience is going to be MLS. Okay, that's fair enough. Years in the road once the quality is up. Right, right. Okay, certainly certainly MLS has large advantages, Mike, that, that make it more likely to grab a casual audience distantly into the future. Again, I mean, I I don't want to go over the myriad problems MLS has perception-wise with a casual American sports fan, but there are lots of them. And it's not just that it's soccer and everybody and, and the American sports fan is traditionally hated on soccer. It's it's the level of pay for a lot of the a lot of these guys. If the middle of the road guy is making 100,000 and the American sports fan is used to a a, a a two winning reliever, a a middle a middle reliever in baseball making 
eight to ten million dollars a year these days, or four or five or whatever the hell it is. That there's a problem there. I'm not saying those baseball players should be making that much money, or I mean, get as much as you can. But when the casual American sports fan looks at soccer and they go, MLS is what now? Oh, their their payroll is four million dollars. You gotta be kidding me. They're not gonna they're not gonna yeah. care. And, and that, that's a long road. All, all I'm saying is it's a long road, Mike. You may be right that that English soccer may never cross that divide, but I think that there are enough similarities that the world is shrinking small enough, and that there is enough effort on the part of American outlets like NBC and like Fox to bring Americans closer to that event. Now, culturally, there are some problems. Yeah, great. Yeah, and I mean. It will continue to grow, but again, I think that's going to be contained within the soccer community more so, mm. or someone with a passing interest in soccer, uh, and, and then it's just going to plateau at some okay. point, is my belief. Fair enough. And, Fair and enough. then at that point, things will switch over to the U.S. I mean, and again, I know I'm in the minority here, but I'm an English speaker. I, I took some Spanish in high school. I can pick up bits and pieces, but... I feel like I personally have more of a connection to the Mexican league and have more interest there just okay, based on proximity, right. really. Appreciate the phone uh, call, Mike. I, I got to well, move on. It's a, it's an interesting discussion to consider exactly where, you know, where you eat, where the English Premier League, Premier League can go and whether or not there's a ceiling. Jay in Charlotte wants to talk about the U.S. Open Cup. What's up? How you doing, Jason? Uh, thanks for waiting, man. What's on your mind? What, you have a bird? Why is no. there a bird in the background, Jay? What's happening? Hey, I'm outside. What can I say? <laughs> um, That's gonna hey, it's, it's, beautiful. it's beautiful in North Carolina. What, you know, hey, we, we might be an outside. So, all, right, all right, you be outside, um, but you, you, you tell, if that bird is too much, I'm going to drop you. But you tell me what you got on your mind this, this morning about U.S. Open Cup. All right, well, I'll make it real quick. My, my question was, I mean, my statement was that we're dealing with, you know, a lot of people trying to figure out, you know, how to make the Open Cup. You know, more popular. And my thought, this is just my opinion and my thought, was instead of trying to take the whole country, I mean, you put the whole country in the tournament, but what about the idea of making each state its own competition? You take all the clubs, maybe not all the clubs, but let's say the top 16, top 20 clubs in each state, and they play each other to get out of their individual state, no matter what state it is. And then... It's not a bad. It's not. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, Jay. It's not a bad idea, but I think it creates an incredibly unbalanced tournament. I mean, incredibly. Well, no, I, I would agree with you that it would make a completely unbalanced tournament. As far as like a state like Montana may only have a certain amount of teams versus a state like New York, which would you know that playoff would take forever. That's why I said you may have to just give you know. In a state like maybe New York, it's the top 16. You can't take every team, so it's the top 16. But then it would force, you know, the Red Bulls and NYSC and the Cosmos to play every year. You wouldn't hope to play each other. You would know if you're playing for the New York State Championship to get out of your state to play in the U.S. Open Cup, you know, the, the final round, you would have to play each other every year, which yeah. means Cosmo fans would have to play NYC fans. Well, and, and, and my, and then, there's, ahead, there's, a, there's already a built, there's a built in regional element to the tournament. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Usually I just wait for the draw to come out and then I respond to it. But th- there's some of that built in. Jay, I'm going to let you go because we got a lot of guys uh, on call, a lot of people on hold trying to get in with other stuff. But, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I just don't think the U.S. Open Cup necessarily needs a format retool. It just needs more pushing from behind to get it out there in public. Jose's in Dallas. What's going on? 
Hi, Jason. It's uh, good to be on the show. Uh, I'm a fan, and uh, I want to call for Clopas' head. I'm a Montreal Impact fan, and unfortunately, the only game that the Montreal Impact have won was um, under the direction of Mario Biello. It wasn't Clopas uh, that was there in charge. And I think it's time for a change. I think as soon as the Cup Champions League is over, we need something different. Um, in paper, we have a good team, but I think it's time for a change now. That's interesting, calling for Klopas to be... I mean, consi- maybe maybe people haven't been paying attention to, to that, and, and you point out Biello. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that you can do that. And, and this is a club that has had so much turnover and, and change and tumult, uh, tumult in their in their front office, Jose, that really, why would you want to mess with anything that looks positive right now? Uh, I think, I think it's, it looks positive as far as the CONCACAF Champions League goes, but uh, we haven't been there in the MLS, and really, but, if you look for the entire record of Frank Lopez, it hasn't been a, no, a positive one. No, We've had a lot of losses, yeah, obviously and, was and bad. unfortunately, we, we need something different. I think... I think the administration is on the right path. And uh, yesterday there was an interview that uh, Joey Saputo had, and, and, and he he was talking about how uh, it was important for a continuation and how he gave uh, card blanche for Klopas at the beginning of last, well, at the end of last season when things weren't looking good. But at some point you have to say enough is enough. And oh, uh, we have been going through the next rounds in the CONCACAF, but it has been the away goal. And they've been playing well, but... Uh, I just don't uh, think it is enough. I think, I, so, think, I think the team is strong as far as CONCACAF. We might pull something at the Azteca, but after that, I think we need something new. Interesting. Thanks for the call, Jose. I, I, I can't imagine that you would fire a guy who got you this far, who, who was in charge when you got this far in this Continental Tournament, a tournament that no MLS team has ever won, and only one other MLS team has made the final of in this format. I, I don't understand how you could possibly call for Klopas to be fired. Now, again... The league is a different story, as Jose identified, but yeah, give him a chance here after coming out of this uh, this final. John's in Dallas, too. What's up? Hey, Jason. Uh, just real quick, I want to chat with you about a couple of things. I want to chat about the Open Cup, but I'll, and I'll come back to that in a second. A guy a couple callers back, I guess, was commenting on uh, some statements that you made about you know the casual American sports fan uh, you know, having their imaginations captured by the Premier League, and he... I think was kind of countering that. You know, he, he said he disagreed with you, and he said that, you know, he didn't feel ties to London. He said he bought a, you know, a ballot Chelsea shirt, I guess, and regretted it. On and on and on. And I just, you know, I wanted to say that I think we're talking about two different things here. I, you know, um, I am not. I wouldn't consider myself a casual fan. I the only thing on my television practically is soccer. But, uh, but I too have no ties to London or any of these European cities, quite frankly, outside of a couple I've visited. So I don't. Yeah, I don't care about London. I don't care about Chelsea from that perspective, but but this is one of the best leagues, certainly one of the most entertaining leagues on the planet, and it well, certainly captured my imagination, I, and I think the same could be said for a lot of, well, particularly casual fans, well, I right? Do, when I, the I, star power is there, the, the level of play is high, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, do you do you feel connected to London? Maybe not, but does that necessarily need to be there to capture your imagination? I, I think it's important to note, and I think this is true across a lot of sports, not just soccer, but it's true of American uh, football and baseball and basketball. There are two there are two distinct kind of of fans when we talk about sports. There's the there's the general fan of the entire competition or the entire game or or whatever it is. Maybe even a student of the game, if you want to put that on people. People who break down the three four defense against you know uh, against the spread offense. People who talk about uh, 
the 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 way basketball teams play and their uh, and people who look at you know baseball stats in depth those people are different than the guy who's a Red Sox fan, a Yankees fan, a Lakers fan, a Dallas Cowboys fan who only cares, really only cares about his team. Now, the NFL has done an amazing job of getting people to care about their sport across the board. People are watching it on Sunday night. They're watching on Monday night. They're watching games during the day. And it doesn't really matter who's on television. They may care about their local team more, but it really doesn't matter. They'll watch any sort of football. That's where I kind of see the, the English Premier League crossing a boundary that MLS has yet to figure out how to get across. And that's people might watch. It, it, you know, yeah, okay, Stoke and Hull is not going to be a good game. But people are going to watch Chelsea and Leicester, even if Leicester's in the relegation zone, because it's there's something else about it. And, and, and I'm not talking about NFL and TV numbers here, John, but I'm saying that people are are going to be they're going to gravitate to it, just like you said, because it's the biggest league in the world, the richest league in the world. Is it the best soccer? No, probably not. But that it's it's the soccer most available to us that is not called MLS. I I completely agree. I you know. Yeah, is it is it the best soccer in the world? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, probably not, actually. But, but it is the one that's most accessible, and quite frankly, is the one that's getting really kind of shoved down our throat at the moment uh, in this country. And that, you know, uh, for better or for worse, I guess. But again, the, the just but the notion, you know, he kind of what he was speaking to was the notion to or, or girls for that matter who they say, okay, I'm going to get into soccer. I'm going to pick a club. And I'm going to all of a sudden be this massive Chelsea supporter, for right. example, yeah, whatever I, it is. I don't think that's necessarily um, important. I, I can't. Say that again. I just don't think that's necessarily important to my point. Uh, no, I know I agree that that, and that's exactly what I was saying. I, I thought he was. I just thought you guys were talking about two different things, and I totally agree with your point. I, I really, I guess, I was kind of just disagreeing with what he was saying. No, that's I just, fair. That's fair. You know, um, I, I think that there are. But, look, and we've got people on Twitter right now. Randy's on Twitter saying, "Hey, ro- both of you are wrong. It's going to be Liga MX." And I said, I mentioned Liga MX is already the most popular soccer league in the United States, and I am now by no means am I trying to drive a wedge between the large fan base of Hispanic soccer fans, Mexican-American soccer fans, and everybody else. But there's certainly, there certainly is, you know, there's certainly something to be said with demographics playing a large role in that. And, and I don't know what the crossover is, and I don't know that we'll ever say that, that Liga, Liga MX is, is the most popular and it's probably the most important league in the United States right now from a marketing standpoint. But when you talk about outlets like NBC, like Fox, the English game is where they're that that's where they're you know they're they're latching onto that because they see the opportunities there and again even if the culture is foreign to a lot of people it's still the same language they can still understand what's going on and and that matters i think that matters i totally agree i well and i actually was waiting for this guy to comment on it and he didn't do it but cuz you made the point about league mx being the largest league basically right now in the united states in terms of viewership and and so forth and and I was waiting for him to to say like he didn't you know he was kind of he didn't really necessarily agree with that because I'm willing to bet that that guy probably uh, probably doesn't follow it at all and and I and I would you know I don't know him but I suspect that a lot of the people around him probably aren't following it as well just like the people around me aren't following it. and I'm not following it that closely I'd love to but 
my Spanish isn't that good. So it gets a little, you know, it, it, I lose a little bit when I, or it loses a little bit for me when I tune in to watch it, right? Well, but, look, uh, ES, ESPN even tried an experiment. I haven't done, they haven't done it recently. I haven't seen it. They tried an experiment for a little while where they were having a Liga MX game broadcast in English. Alejandro Moreno was on that broadcast with, uh, who's the other guy, Trevor? Help me out. Uh, so uh, so they, they obviously are trying to kind of bridge that gap. But there is certainly a, a gap uh, in, in terms of, of those audiences. And again, I, let, we're getting bogged down in sort of a minutia here. I'm talking about yeah. what I'm saying essentially here, John, and I, and I, I don't know if anybody else is going to get this. I'm saying that the, the league, the sport, uh, the, the, the league that's going to cross over into uh, you know your morning sports talk radio guys in Chicago and Philly and LA and New York and and Dallas, where where that's going to cross the, the league's going to cross over is the Premier League first. I mean, occasionally you may hear about MLS on your local station either because the the local team has bought some time or or has some influence or pushes to get a guy on the air as a guest. But if and maybe it's Champions League, maybe it's not even English football. Maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. But I just, I just can't imagine that there's every, there's there any, any other league that's going to show up on the fan in, in whatever town, other than English, English football. I, just, I don't know. I mean, I'm saying it's going to happen. I'm saying if it does, it's going to be that league. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I'd really love to hear like a counter argument to that. I don't know how you would argue that another league could do something like you're describing above and beyond the, yeah. the EPL. But uh, anyway, the only, if you have a second, Jason, I'm just going to ask you real quick about the Open Cup. If you have a second. Sure. Uh, you know, you guys were talking about it earlier, and I didn't hear all of it, so if I repeat something you've already gone over, I apologize. But, I, you know, you're talking about the Open Cup and, and, and um, talking about how wonderful you feel it is and, and, and kind of trying to get people to, to, to support it and follow it. And I, and I completely agree with you. I'm trying to do everything I can to really kind of get into the tournament. But... You know, I, something that you've talked about in the past, and I think that's something the Open Cup kind of suffers from, is I just don't know that media is making a big deal of this, and or 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 MLS or or U.S. Soccer in general, right? And, and what I mean by that is, in other words, you know, and I'll just use the FA Cup as an example. Over in England, you see the entire uh, you know English football calendars wiped clean for a weekend just so they can put uh, FA Cup games on television, and it looks big time, right? The 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 English you know uh, media is making a huge deal about it and it's a, it's just a completely different thing here and I get that we're not necessarily there yet it's going to take time to get to that level but those are the types of things that I think if you know talking about casual sports fans those are the types of things that would grab casual sports fans to follow an Open Cup because you know for a guy like yourself or me who who consume this constantly it's it's not hard right for to get to get us in there but the casual guy yeah. needs to think that it's a big time thing for him to even follow us yeah, so yeah, i, I, I just want to see if you had a similar thought or... no i agree with you but i think it's a chicken it's a chicken and egg problem john i mean it, it, it this is the case with a lot of things in american soccer thanks for the call i gotta get ready to wrap this up but it, it, it's a it's a case for a lot of things in american soccer it's it's chicken and egg it's how do you get the interest growing when there's no interest how do you it's a, it's a catch-22 we want to make the open cup bigger but there's not enough money to invest in the open cup because there's not enough interest so how do you how do you get these two things come together how do you find a place where yeah okay this is not going to be big money and maybe u.s soccer is trying to push this and again a hundred times out of you know a hundred thousand times we have to give all the love and credit in the world to josh hakala and the cup.us for pushing that tournament and being the voice of that tournament 
in this uh, in American soccer circles for the last five years, however long Josh has been doing it. Uh, maybe it's even longer than that. Uh, but I'm okay with U.S. soccer pushing into this realm because they have a bigger voice, because they have more resources. And again, they need to find that happy medium. How do we spend enough money to push this tournament forward when there, you know, with, when there wasn't, when there isn't enough interest in, in order to justify it necessarily? What's the balancing act? And this is the, again, true for everything. Let's push this. Okay. Well, let's get the media involved. Media, please push the open cup. All right. Well, what's in it for us? Nobody cares. Well, if you push it, people will care. Right. But nobody cares right now, so we're putting an effort for a pointless exercise. I mean, again, lots of questions to be answered there. I don't know what the answers are right now. But this is why we exist. This is why we're here, Soccer Morning. Please go uh, get a Soccer Morning mug at backheel.com slash store. I've seen some uh, some more pictures out there in the wild. Tweet me your pictures of your Soccer Morning mug. Be awesome. Tweet me your pictures of you doing some soccering things with your Soccer Morning mug. Like, I feel like people should be out kicking the ball around in the morning with their soccer morning mug in their hand. Now, now probably not with co- coffee in it, because that might be dangerous. But you could just rep the, the show with your coffee mug. Or get a t-shirt. T-shirt probably sounds like a better thing for actually playing some soccer. Go to 3NLFC.com to do that. Uh, fantastic stuff there. Open Cup on Twitter. And again, U.S. Open Cup for Josh and, and the Cup.us. Uh, continue to follow them. Go follow them if you're not already. Jeff Crandall is Hefe Crandall on Twitter. Uh, D- uh, Dan Wiersma from uh, Free Beer Movement and uh, American Outlaws was our other guest today. Thanks to both of those guys for coming on. Thanks for all the callers. Man, you guys killed it today. You guys are awesome. Tomorrow is USA-Mexico. We'll preview that, I'm sure. Talk about uh, U.S. Women's National Team roster. Lots of stuff coming up. Champions League today. We'll talk about that as well. See you tomorrow. Bye.